Well, this morning I'd like to talk about something that's familiar to us, very familiar to all of us, but I'd like to look maybe a little closer at some of these things. And uh, I'd like to look at uh, where Israel went through the Red Sea, and we're all familiar with that. Uh, I still remember the movie, the uh, with Charles, Charles Heston, whatever, and the Ten Commandments, and that visual of what they portrayed that it would look like. I still remember that. So we want to look at that somewhat, but also where Israel went through uh, Jordan and uh, on the, to go through to uh, get to the promised land that was promised uh, to them. But as we look at that, as we look at the journey through the Red Sea and we look at the journey through the Jordan, as we, as we look at that, try to keep in mind where the question, where are we in the church age? Are we just stepping in the Red Sea? Or have we passed through the Red Sea and we're just stepping in the Jordan? And, the, and there were some things took place as they went through uh, the Jordan and everything. So, of course, I know we talked about the rapture uh, uh, several, for, well, for several weeks, I guess. And, and, and you have to look at that in this as well. So where are we as far as time as crossing this Jordan as far as the church age? Where, where are we? So kind of keep those in mind as we look at the, uh, the history, certainly, of the Red Sea and the Jordan. But let's see a uh, little more than just the history uh, through there. You know, Israel, of course, uh, God's elect people was in bondage. Uh, of course, this was told to Abraham whenever the Lord gave, uh, made a covenant and promised to Abraham, yet it was already prophesied that, that Israel, his people, uh, wasn't Israel at that time, but his people would be in bondage. And you know how they were led to that bondage. Uh, there was uh, the famine and seven years uh, of, of plenty and then seven years of famine. And through that, and, and Joseph being head over Pharaoh's affairs, that they were led down into Egypt. And then they were in bondage for these years. And the Lord led them out through the Red Sea, through the plagues. And you remember the plagues. And the last plague was... Uh, death of all the firstborn, except where the blood was placed on the lintel and on the two side posts. And then if the blood was there, then the plague of the death of the firstborn did not go there. So that blood led to the saving of those, but led to the deliverance of all of Israel. So let's go uh, to Exodus uh, chapter 13. And again, I may do a lot of reading here, but I think it's very interesting. And again, try to keep in mind if we look at this, where, where are we? Where is in the church age? Where, where are we? Uh, Exodus 13, and uh, let's just go to 19, 13 and 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had solemnly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away from here with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. So Joseph had told them, you know, take his bones out of Egypt whenever they went out. 
And, of course, that is faith saying, yes, the Lord's going to lead Israel out of Egypt. They won't remain in bondage or just disappear through attrition, I guess. So uh, this was uh, Joseph had told them that. And uh, now it was coming close to time when they were going to be led out of, uh, out of Egypt. And then uh, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So here we have this uh, pillar of a cloud of a daytime and the pillar of fire at nighttime to do what? It done two things. We'll see. It did lead them. But as they got ready up there by the Red Sea, instead of being before them, it was behind them and, and protection from the enemy. So both leading and protection. What does that remind you of today? The Holy Spirit, our comforter. So uh, we, we see this here. And again, you'll see types and shadows all the way through here. Uh, and then uh, uh see. So this pillar of fire and this cloud was given to them only after they was freed from bondage. They were freed from bondage, and this then it was given to them again, type of the, uh, the comforter. So then in chapter 14, as we ease our way uh, through this, in chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, and again, I know it's familiar, but I, sometimes it had been a long time since I'd actually read it and see some of these little intricate things in here. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before uh, Pahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Belazephon. Uh, I pronounced that better when I practiced it, but <laughs> Bill knows that sometimes it doesn't come out the same when you get up here. Belazephon. Uh, uh, before uh, it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. So now, you know, Pharaoh so many times, let him go, now he changes his mind, let him go, changes his mind. So now he let him go after the plague and everything. And, uh, but... Now they're trapped. They're entangled. They got that Red Sea. Well, we got another chance. Let's go destroy them. So that's what was in uh, uh, Pharaoh's mind. Uh, in verse 4, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored over Pharaoh and over all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So the Lord, again, the Lord is in control of all this from, well, just from eternity past as far as that goes. But leading them down into Egypt, the time they was in Egypt. And, you know, they were slaves and in bondage. 
But how did they come out of Egypt? They were rich. They brought the riches of Egypt with them. And the scripture says they borrowed from the Egyptians. I kind of like that. It's kind of a funny choice of words there. But anyway, so, so here they're coming out of, of Egypt with, uh, with their possessions, the gold and silver and everything. And Pharaoh said, no, not so fast. So he's going to go after them uh, again. Verse 5, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and all his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside uh, Pihiroth before Beelzebub. And uh, so here... Again, we can see what was on Pharaoh's heart and, and, and Egyptians. Okay, now they're trapped, and now we can destroy them, get all our goods back, by the way. But this is all part of the Lord's plan. Just as our time today, I said, where we are we in the church age? Where are we? And this, it's all, of course, in the Lord's plan. Uh, now let's pick it up in verse uh, 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, Egyptians marched after them. And they were in great fear, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou uh, taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it hath been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So uh, Israel, of course, murmured uh, many times against the Lord and uh, against Moses. And you know, I have seen people that seem to be freed from the bondage of the law of Moses. And uh, sometimes you see them wanting to go back. So, uh, in fact, well, we'll go ahead. We won't mention this part. Go way ahead, though. With, uh, whenever there's over there and... Uh, and remember, they uh, worshipped the, the golden calf, or made the golden calf. And they appointed captains to go back to Egypt again after they were freed. So we can see that today in this day and age that uh, some still want to go into bondage of the letter of the law of, of Moses. So, okay, let's see, where did we leave off? Uh, in verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, 
which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And certainly that's a, a famous verse, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What we hear today is work for your salvation. And it, uh, those works vary depending on who you're listening to, I guess. But just stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. Salvation is not of works. Even the tiniest work <laughs> uh, is not, not of works at all. Uh, 14, the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry land through the midst of the sea. And uh, this is miraculous. Uh, I've told you the story, a little joke. Uh, maybe I, won't I better not take time to do it about the little boy said well, uh, the teacher didn't believe that, uh, that Israel, that the Red Sea, well, just up was really shallow up there. It wasn't really that big of a miracle after all. And then little Johnny, I should have told it anyway. And then little Johnny said, wow, that, that's really a miracle. Well, what? It wasn't very deep up there. That he um, drowned all Pharaoh's army in just knee-high water. So uh, it's a miracle regardless of which side you want to look at that from. Uh, verse 17. And I, behold, will harden the hearts of the Egyptians... And they shall follow them, and I will get me honor over Pharaoh and over all his hosts and over his chariots and over his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor over Pharaoh, over the chariots, and over his horsemen. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came down between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them. And it uh, gave light by night to these so that uh, the one came not near the other uh, all the night. So as I mentioned, this cloud, uh, whether it be fire or smoke, depending on the time of day, Israel, it led Israel, and they were following it to what looked like the Egyptians, this entrapment against the Red Sea. But now they're up against the Red Sea, and instead of leading them, it went behind to where they did. So in other words, it gave them protection behind from the Egyptians. And again, beautiful picture of the comforter. It leads, guides, and directs, and protects us from the, fall, from the, from the uh, false doctrines that so easily uh, deceive, deceives us. Okay. Uh, 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night, 
and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left hand. So again, here's this. I, I don't know. I don't know what it looked like, but I can't uh, get that scene out of my mind where uh, uh, the, the movie The Ten Commandments were the waters on both sides, and they started through it. Just, uh, just amazing how Hollywood uh, portrayed it. But, uh, and then, well, let's go to verse 23. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. So they were going after him. Do you think he's going to catch them? No, he had that column of fire and, and, uh, and the cloud uh, between them. Wasn't going to catch them, but they were definitely going to go. 24, and it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. So the Lord was with Israel. But he's looking back through that pillar of fire and smoke at the enemy. So no doubt the Lord was with Israel. Uh, and it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drove them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the, uh, when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. So how many of the, of the enemies made it to persecute Israel? And the answer is no, not one. Now, we can find other instances as they went into the land of promise that the Lord used the inhabitants of the land to punish Israel sometime. He would use other nations as a sword to punish Israel. And then he would punish that nation because they thought it was their might and everything. So we see the Lord in control all of the way. Uh, and then verse uh, 29. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on the left hand. So how many of God's elect were lost? And we know the answer to that, no, not one. And, uh, and as we get into the crossing of the Jordan, it, there's some amazing things there as well. But uh, the children of Israel were protected, and not one of them uh, was lost. 30, thus the Lord saved Israel that day, out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Now it said, thus the Lord saved Israel. We need to uh, uh, use a little caution when we see the word saved. 
this is not what saved them from the lake of fire. This saved them from the Egyptians at that time. There's many things to be saved from, uh, and we won't go into that study this morning, but they were saved from the hands of the enemy that morning. The pillar of fire and the cloud led them, then protected them from the army, and then they were led through. But can you imagine... Uh, Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Can you imagine what that was like? I've, I've seen dead feast before floating up on the bank and everything like that. But this, all the bodies of the Egyptians, I suppose the horses and everything. Uh, one would think that they would give thanks unto the Lord and see that as a miracle. Uh, but again... Destruction only to the Egyptians and not to Israel. Uh, And again, it's still amazing after seeing this, then we see them over there as Moses up in Mount Sinai, then they were appointing captains to take them back into bondage again. After seeing something like this, you say, how could that be? Well, buddy, you and I was talking. We know that the Lord's in control of everything all the way through, then... How could it be that I worry sometimes? <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same thing. So we see what we, we are and, and uh, uh, we look to the Lord for, for all that. So now um, let's go over to Exodus uh, chapter 15 and uh, verse 9. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. Now, this is all not necessarily in chronological, chronological order. This is what Pharaoh said. Before, this not, after he was drowned, he didn't say this. But it's going back to what he said before. And, and listen to this again. See if it reminds you of something. Verse 9. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. And what seems familiar about that, if we go, and I won't go there, uh, Isaiah chapter 14, that is Satan's words. I will exalt my throne uh, above, the stars, uh, above the throne of God, the stars of God. Uh, so it's, that's... That is Satan's doctrine. I will, I will, I will. Uh, And in verse 13, Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people whom thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto the holy habitation. So here, uh, again, just acknowledging the Lord redeemed them, guided them, Destroyed the enemy and put them in a place of safety. And, of course, we know they was going to wander there for 40 years because of different things. And we won't go, in, won't go into that. But, I, again, I, I do think it's, it's, it's a lesson. Whenever they went there and Moses went up on Mount Sinai and they appointed captains to go back into bondage. And, Debbie, many times I've looked at that. Well, why did they do that? Why, after seeing the Red Sea... And then I look at myself sometimes. Well, why, why do I worry knowing that the Lord's in control? But sometimes uh, that's the weakness we still have and will have until the Lord uh, takes us home. 
So that's a, a little about uh, traveling through the Red Sea, the Lord leading them and guiding them and pre protecting them through those troubled waters. But now the Jordan, and, I, and there's some very interesting things in Jordan. We'll try to bring out a few of them this morning if we can. Uh, in the book of Joshua, uh, two or three uh, books ahead here, the book of Joshua, chapter 3. And, uh, of course, this is after they've been wandering uh, those years in the desert, in the wilderness. And now they're going to cross the Jordan over into the land of promise. And again, there's so many interesting things here. And again, maybe we'll uh, touch on a few of them. Uh, chapter, Joshua, chapter 3. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. So what we have here is... Uh, The, uh, they had the ark, and they were parading, it said, three days. And they would go through Israel and, and, and with that ark and everything, and then they would start to fall in place. They were all going to follow this uh, ark through the, uh, uh, through the Jordan. And, uh, and this ark, well, we'll see it a little later. And verse 4, yet there shall be a space between you and it. Don't, you know, you're not to go up, only the Levites and the priests, and, and you don't go up and, uh, and get too close to that. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way uh, heretofore. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So they were to sanctify themselves, not to go near any dead body or anything like that. He said, Tomorrow this, he's going to do wonders. And verse 6, And Joshua spoke unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant, and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant, and went before the people. So again, they marched for three days through Israel, and they would see this ark coming, and then they would begin to follow at a distance. Uh, seven, and the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priest who bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, ye shall stand still in the Jordan. So, he didn't say when ye come to the uh, bank of the Jordan, start building boats and rafts and everything like that. He says, you come there and, and, and you stand still. So this, the ark, they've been marching with it for three days. Through the camps and everything, maybe all of Israel, I don't know the number, began to follow it. He said, now when you come to the bank, then stand still. And then uh, verse 
9. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Now he said, the Lord is going to drive them out from before you whenever they go in the land of promise. But you remember when they set the spies over? Oh, we can't take them. We're just grasshoppers in their sides. We can't take them. Well, no, they couldn't take them, but the Lord was going to give it to them. Uh, okay, in verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man. So now he says the ark is going to go before you. But he's got something else here. He said, everybody take a man, one man for uh, every tribe uh, of Israel. And we'll see some of the significance of that as well. And, and I like this. Again, he told him to go to the bank and stop. Don't build rafts. Don't build boats. In verse 13. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the water of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off uh, from among the, the, the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand in, in one heap. And if you, you picture this, so here the Jordan in flood stage, and... We didn't have the east wind all night blowing and everything like that and see that. The water was still rushing through, flood water. When did it dissipate? When the priest carrying the ark on her feet first touched the water. That's, that's faith also, isn't it? He didn't clear it up before. Now we see the clear path whenever their feet touched. That's when it cleared. Uh, let's see. And, okay, uh, 14. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan, and the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people... And as they who bore the ark were come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark uh, were dipped into the brim of the water, for the Jordan overfloweth all its banks uh, at the time of harvest. And the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in one heap uh, very far from the city, uh, uh, city uh, Adam, that is beside uh, Zarethim, and those that came down toward the sea of the Arabeth, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. So again, this, it wasn't an east wind all night. Whenever the priest who was bearing the ark just touched it, bang, it was that quick. Uh, okay. 
I don't know if I read 17 or not, uh, 17, And the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed completely over the Jordan. So the priest carrying the ark of the covenant, again, when they stepped in it, it dried up. And they went to the middle, and then they stopped. And then Israel passed by, but the ark stayed in the middle. We see some other things taking place there as well, uh, those, those 12 men. Uh, okay, chapter 4. And it came to pass, when all the people were completely passed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, saying, Take you 12 men out of the people, out of every tribe and man, and command them, saying, Take here out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firmly, twelve stones. And you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared uh, of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take ye up every man you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Ye shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And uh, we'll see this takes place at, at Gilgal. And a lot of times you'll see Gilgal mentioned in the scriptures. And so when you see Gilgal mentioned in the scriptures, think of what took place there. As they went through Jordan, they took his 12 stones, they put this altar in Gilgal. And again, when you see a reference back to Gilgal, you, you keep that in mind as you study. Uh, verse 8. And the children of Israel uh, did so, and Joshua, as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord spoke unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them into the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, and the place where the feet of the priest who bore the ark of the covenant stood, and they were all there unto this day. Now, I have a question here, and I, I, uh, I'm not sure. It seems that they built an altar in the midst where the priest stood. Seems that they built an altar there with 12 stones. But it also, certainly they did in Gilgal on the other side where they lodged that night. So I'm not sure if there was two. I, it kind of seems like there was, but uh, I, I'm not for sure on that. Okay, verse 10. For the priest who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua. And the people hastened and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were completely passed over that the ark of the Lord passed over and the priest in the presence of the people. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel, and Moses spoke uh, as Moses spoken to them. 
About 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle into the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him, and they feared Moses, uh, as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priest who bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of the Jordan. So when the last Israelite was out, then here comes the priest bearing the ark of the covenant. And then look what happens. Verse 17, Joshua therefore commanded the priest saying, Come ye up out of the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up into the dry land that the waters of the Jordan returned into their place and flowed over its banks as they did before. So as, they, as it dried up, whenever they stepped, it dried up. When the last one came out and they stepped up, then the waters returned to the flood stage. And, of course, not one of uh, the uh, Israelites were lost, of course. Uh, 19, and the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. So remember that Gilgal, as you study the scriptures, you have references to that. And you want to remember that's where these 12 stones were laid. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan did Joshua set up in Gilgal. And he spoke unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that he might fear the Lord your God forever. So we see some things a little different there. We see the Red Sea, but the Red Sea, they were delivered from bondage as they come out of the Red Sea. Of course, they wandered in the wilderness. But now, going over the Jordan, going into the land of promise, and we see the uh, different things happening there on, on that crossing into the land of promise. But the waters didn't return until the priests got up on the bank again. So in the church age, where are we? Just stepping in and the Jordan drying up? Are we in the midst where the priests were and they put 12 stones? Or are we at the stage, the priests uh, coming up out of the water and they go into the land of promise? Now, I don't know the answer to that, <laughs> but I'm asking, where are we? Uh, so here we are in 2022, almost 2023. The church traveled through treacherous waters certainly delivered from bondage and, tra and traveled through these uh, treacherous waters. Uh, as the last person's out, 
and the ark comes out and the waters returned and they're in the land of promise. Is it about time for the Lord to take the ark out into the land of promise? Again, I believe the ark as, as the pillar of, of uh, fire and, and smoke was a uh, type of the uh, comforter. I believe the ark here is as well, more than that, of course. But you think it's, where are we in that stage? You think it's about time for the, the Lord's people to enter into that land of promise. And again, we talked so much about the rapture and... Uh, and I wanted to talk a little more about it, but I see we are out of time. Uh, I'll read one scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4, and then we'll have to let it go at that, because uh, we studied it recently anyway. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not proceed or prevent them who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with a trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. I'll just kind of have to leave it there, but I think we're very close. Certainly been brought out of bondage and traveling through the Jordan to this land of promise. And I think, uh, I think we're very close to that as we talked about in the rapture. I don't know the day and everything, but uh, I think we're very close to reaching that land of promise where the Lord delivers every one of his people. And, well, we could talk about the rapture and how does he hide it from the world and, and everything. I think it will be just as miraculous as when the priest stepped up out of the water and the floods came back immediately. I think it would be just as miraculous as that. But may the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We are dismissed.